this is Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a paranormal podcast. I mean, nope, we are a paranormal podcast. Yep. (laughs) About cryptids and urban legends, too. Yeah. Like, anyway, guess what? (laughs) What? It's our 50th episode. 50. Yeah, it is. What are those called? Bicentennial? Is that what it's called? I think so. I always think bicentennials are 150 for some reason. That was what I say, Google? Oh, bicentennial is 200. Oh. Bicentennial. Two centuries. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, well. We're on our golden anniversary. If you All right. go by like marriage stuff. Okay. Golden anniversary it is. So what are you getting me that's made out of gold? My personality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's almost been a year, right? Of us recording, actually recording. It's been over a year of us recording. That was the beginning of October. It will be almost one year's worth of episodes, but we put four out at one time, so we're going to be like three weeks behind. All right. Still, we are the big five zero. Yeah. We are mature. Yep, but we still can't retire. Nope. <laughs> never. <laughs> Probably never. <laughs> but I just think that's so exciting. It is pretty exciting. It's so exciting, in fact, that we're going to do a sticker giveaway on Instagram. We haven't done one of those in a little bit. Nope, we did one for our 10th episode when we had, like, no followers. And our first episode when we had negative followers. (laughs) (laughs) But now we have a couple, I think. Maybe someone different will comment and get the sticker this time. (laughs) fingers crossed yeah but i have a couple of them we could probably do like two or three two or three i think that's good just give it to anyone any single person every single person that comments on it i bet we have enough to cover every single person we do (laughs) which isn't saying anything good we don't have that many stickers well, we do have a lot of stickers. I made a hundred stickers. Yes. Right off the bat, because we were extremely excited about doing I, it. I it wasn't even excited about doing the podcast. I was just so flabbergasted by Amy's podcast logo design that I was <laughs> like, I want it on everything. Yeah, and now I think I want to change it up a little bit. <laughs> Only a little, though. Oh, yeah. It'll still be the same background and everything. I just realized that when people look at it, they don't know it's a podcast. (laughs) So maybe I should add that word in there. Maybe. But I love it. Yeah. But so we have some stickers to give away. When you're listening to this, go to our Instagram and comment on the sticker 
post, I'll probably make a sticker post and comment on that and make sure you're following us. And if you want to be super awesome and share it with your friends, you should do that. But I'm not going to make you do that because that's rude. Just comment and say hi. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you all. Yeah. By you all, I mean all three of you. (laughs) (laughs) But it is our 50th episode. And so for our 50th episode, I figured I would do, I mean, I typically like to do the bigger stories anyway, but I figured I would do a slightly more interest not more interesting more well-known story mm-hmm. that has a role famous player in it mm-hmm. so i am covering the borley rectory i have no idea what that is you don't nope i just think that it's gonna be haunted mm-hmm. and there's probably gonna be I feel like there's going to be a vengeful ghost in there. Someone angry. Maybe. Okay. Now, paranormal activity at this location has been claimed for over a hundred years. Dope. So, it is said to be really haunted. Really haunted. Borley Rectory was built on Hall Road near Borley Church by the Reverend Henry Dawson Bull in 1862. Borley itself is a rural community of three hamlets in Essex that have around 110 inhabitants as of the last census. So very small. By the way, this is in the United Kingdom. Thank you. The house was built on top of an old rectory that had burned down in 1841, Reverend Bull made the Borley Rectory larger than the previous one to accommodate his family. He had 14 children. I can't imagine what life was like. God, that sounds like hell. (laughs) Honestly, it it really does. What I what I think about is the older kids having to raise the little kids. And that definitely sounds horrible. But anyway, not to put people on blast to have tons of children. He was told by locals that the land was haunted, but he had the Borley Rectory built anyway, and he and his very large family moved into it. It was a large Gothic-style red brick building with two stories and many, many rooms on almost four acres of land. Immediately upon moving into the rectory, paranormal activity started to happen, They would hear footsteps throughout the rectory, and it said that footsteps would follow people in the house and even on the road. Servant bells would ring as if someone had rung them, although nobody did. How rude. (laughs) Yeah, imagine that going off all night. Yeah, those poor servants, they're probably like, bro, we have other things to do. Can we sleep, please? (laughs) There was already a few ghost stories about the property before the Reverend and his family moved in. Stories really started to circulate, however, in 1863 by school children who claimed to have seen the ghost of a nun. There's a legend that a nun from a nearby nunnery in Beerus or Burrs. It might be Burrs. How's it spelled? B-U-R-E-S. 
I'd say Burrs. Okay. Uh, nearby nunnery in Burrs <laughs> had fallen in love with a monk. Local lore said that they were caught trying to elope. The monk oh. was executed by hanging while the nun was bricked up in the cellar of the old rectory to die. That is really, 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 really rude and unnecessary. Yeah, she was bricked in in a wall. On July 28th, 1900, four of Reverend Bull's daughters reported seeing the ghost of the nun gliding across the estate. There were also claims that you could see her looking in the windows of the rectory or even sometimes see her looking out of the windows of the rectory. It's even said that once, one of the daughters tried to talk to the nun, but the nun just faded away and disappeared the closer they got to her. The nun's path through the garden is so well known to the locals that they dubbed the area that she walked the nun's walk. A summer house was intentionally built in a particular location on the property so that visitors could watch the nun walking on her path. (laughs) That's how common it was, so they say. That's dedication to the cause. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. However, the story about the monk and the nun have been proven to be false. It was said to have come from a novel that the Bull family owned that was written by Ryder Haggard that Reverend Bull would read to his children. That just reminds me. The day that we were recording this is the day that Hagrid died. Oh, yeah. I saw that this morning. Yeah, well, you're not as attached. No, I'm not. But uh, he said something in the, like, was it really the 20th anniversary? (sighs) Is it where he said that? Haggard will live on. Yeah. Even though he I watched that video and, and I will it made me tear up really bad. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I won't. But little did he know he wouldn't mm-hmm. even make it through the year. That I know. Sad. That is really sad. And I'm not a huge fan of the movies, but I am a big fan of the books. And I that face to me is perfect, like synonymous oh with Haggard in the exactly. book. Exactly. Exactly. exactly yeah so it is like really hard like it's not cool yeah it's not the books are better than the movies but the movies get you by if you don't want to read all millions of those pages again yeah and they're not i'm not saying they're bad movies at all i just have a hard time watching stuff after books that i've read so i just I've seen the first I think only the first three Harry Potters and they were just fine yeah well Prisoner of Azkaban is like the completely different story than what's in the book and it drove me crazy when I reread the book and then watched the movie but when I just watched the movie casually it's just just good yeah whatever yeah (laughs) Yeah, see that's my problem is I'm like "Mm, that didn't happen Mm mm-hmm Anyway, anyway sidetracked. <laughs> we digress. R.I.P. Hagrid. Very R.I.P. Okay, so we were talking about how the the story about the nun and the monk is false. Came from a book. Right. 
even so, even when people knew that it wasn't true, the story of the monk and the nun have fueled so many paranormal reports and investigations. Another legend was that a phantom coach that was pulled by four black horses and driven by a headless horseman. Also, mm-hmm. depending on the sources, it was <laughs> two horse headless horsemen. Oh, damn. Sometimes one, sometimes two. Either way, yeah. all headless. There was a very long, low-hanging branch that just whacked them both. Yep, just cut them <laughs> clean off. It was said that it would drive down the road and then disappear after it passed the rectory, and mostly it was seen at night. The Reverend Henry Bull passed away in the blue room of the rectory on May 2nd, 1892, and his son, Reverend Henry Foister Bull, whose nickname was Harry, took over. Once Harry and his family moved in, the paranormal activity seemed to increase. It was claimed that the nun in particular was more active from this point on. Weird. Uh, Yeah, since there is no nun, but anyway... On June 9th, 1927, Harry passed away in the blue room of the rectory as well, and it's claimed that you can now see his ghost there. Spooky. Is it like, you know how, like, when a cat gets really sick and they know they're going to die, they go and hide? If you're a reverend and you know you're going to die, you go to the blue room? You go to the blue room. You (laughs) just instinctually know it. Okay. After several months, Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his family moved into the rectory. While his wife was cleaning out a cupboard one day, she found a brown paper package. When she opened it, she was horrified to have discovered the skull of a young woman. How did she know it was a young woman? I don't know. (laughs) They just said it was. Mm. and i believed it it was in every source (laughs) but they never said it actually was labeled inside of the box young woman skull here you go it's a young woman skull we won't tell you who but we'll tell you it's a young woman yeah immediately after the discovery of the skull it seemed as if the paranormal once again decided to step it up a notch They would see strange lights tapping on the walls, hear unexplained footsteps, objects moving on their own, and the bells ringing again, despite that the wires were disconnected. Oh, Hmm. and they would hear hushed voices. The Smith family was so scared of the paranormal activity that was happening that they contacted the Daily Mirror and asked the newspaper to put them in contact with the Society for Cyclical Research. After they reached out, a reporter visited the rectory with Harry Price in tow. Do you know who Harry Price is? No, but hold on. What is cyclical? What is cyclical research? No, it's cyclical. (laughs) So cyclical research is the research of things like mediums and psychics and... Um... I will actually get into it a little bit more. I should have probably explained it then, but. (laughs) That's all good. Okay. (laughs) Okay, but no, I don't know who the guy is. You don't know who Harry Price is? I'm actually genuinely surprised. Harry Price? No, I know who Vincent Price is. Yes, we we all know who (laughs) Vincent Price is. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know the price is wrong, Bob. <laughs> the price is wrong, Bob. <laughs> okay, well, good thing because I I explained him. So if you don't know who Harry Price was, he was a renowned paranormal investigator and an expert magician. His work is considered groundbreaking to many today. Price founded the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research and was famous for debunking and exposing mediums, psychics, seances, and spirit photographers as frauds. According to an article from American Hauntings, Inc., quote, his investigations at the house known as Borley Rectory became some of the first documented attempts to track down the ghosts of a single haunted location, end quote. We should give him the picture from the last episode. Harry Price? Yeah. See what he has to say. Oh, I mean, we'll have to contact him, you know, in the spirit world because he's no longer with us. But I'm sure we could find someone. A spirit board. We would need a spirit board. We'd need his help to find someone that was actually a medium to be able to contact him. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like hard work, but we could try. All for one weird picture of a lens flare. (laughs) That we all know (laughs) is not a legit photo. So, on the flip side, Harry Price was known to be an elaborate hoaxer. I found a quote from Skeptoid, or from a Skeptoid article that read, He was a close friend of Charles Dawson, the man behind the infamous Piltdown Man hoax. He and photographer William Hope staged an elaborate photograph depicting a ghost looking over the shoulder of Price as he sat for a portrait. Harry Price went on the road with a fake statue of Hercules. He exhibited a fake silver ingot from the reign of Roman Emperor Honorius. He He showed gold coins from the King of Sussex, and a bone carved with hieroglyphics, all proven to be fakes. <laughs> Harry Price was a practice hoaxer and very much of the P.T. Barnum mold. Sounds like he had fun, though. He he did sound like he had a lot of fun, and I had to use that quote because I love a good P.T. Barnum reference. <laughs> so it said that when Harry Price arrived at the Borley Rectory, objects were mysteriously thrown at him. Pebbles hit the house. <laughs> And rolled down the stairs and spirit messages were tapped out on the frame of a mirror in the blue room. It was also said that when Harry left, that particular paranormal activity also left. (laughs) Maybe he was doing it. Maybe. (laughs) On July 14th, 1929, the Smiths had had enough and left the Borley Rectory mostly because of the paranormal activity, but also due to the unwelcome visitors that kept stopping by the property who wanted to look around and see paranormal activity for themselves. That's rude. Mm-hmm. In October of 1930, Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister, his wife Marianne, and their daughter Adelaide moved into the rectory. Reverend Foister was a cousin to the Bulls, and knew the reputation of the rectory. They also experienced the same type of activity that the Bulls and the Smiths had, except they faced something a little worse. 
an increase of violent poltergeist activity that was directed mostly towards Marianne. Hmm. They really didn't like this new family. No, and they really didn't like Marianne. Well, her name is Marianne. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that name always reminds me of uh, Maid Marian from... um, Robin Hood? Yes, thank you. I was like, (laughs) why can I not think of it? So, she was thrown out of bed, slapped, and had objects thrown at her. During the investigations of the house, most concluded that somehow Marianne was the cause of the activity and subsequently the focus of the paranormal activity. And when I say that she was the cause of the activity, I don't mean that she was making fake claims or that the activity was false. I just think that whatever paranormal activity was happening, she was subconsciously a catalyst for it. That can be a problem. It can be man named Guy Lestrange was quoted in a Burials and Beyond article to have said, Later, being entertained by the rector and his wife, he heard for the first time of mysterious forms, male and female, being seen inside and outside the house, of lights and unoccupied rooms, of articles appearing and being thrown, of fires breaking out, of mysterious whisperings and unexplained writings on the wall and scraps of paper, Once the rector told him he was working alone in his study when he saw a pencil rise from the desk and scrawl words on the wall in front of him. No hand was visible! Exclamation point. Hmm. Well, that could be a multitude of things. That could have been Willow from Buffy just practicing (laughs) her magic. It could also be the invisible girl from Buffy that was made invisible because nobody paid attention to her. Oh, you're right. Could be Hollow Man. No, because then he'd be doing dirty things with Marianne. I know. (laughs) Well, we'll get into that. But the article goes on to state that Lestrange's claims were considered mostly to be false because the Reverend kept meticulous records of the paranormal activity in the house. Harry Price claimed that the Foisters reported as many as 2,000 paranormal encounters. The Reverend Foister would later give his complete accounts to Harry Price, and apparently none of it contained anything about a pencil. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Although Marianne was the main target of the paranormal attacks, other paranormal activity also happened in the home, such as windows being shattered, furniture being overturned, rocks and bottles were thrown at the house, Spontaneous fires were started, and their daughter would be locked into her room, or in a room, where there was no key. Hmm. Did you know that if you shut your bedroom door at night and your house caught on fire, your bedroom is more likely to be okay? I did know that, actually. I have seen it, like, so many times here recently. And we don't sleep with our door shut. I cannot sleep with my door shut because Merida would bang the ever-loving shit out of it in the middle of the night. However, I do keep the kids' door shut. Always. Maybe I'm subconsciously trying to keep them safe. While I actively try to keep them safe. Before I had a cat, I would sleep with the door shut. Me too. Yeah. But cats cats are... uh, They're demons. They are. 
And if the house ever catches on fire, we're going to die because of the cat. Because they're demons. Oh, God. So why do I have three demons in my house? I don't know. <laughs> I love them. I I have the one and I'm like, good God. <laughs> okay. It's so funny you say that because when we were on break, I went out to the living room and I was telling Mormon, I was like, so we have three cats in our house and not one of them is as obnoxious as Honey is when we're recording. I was like, that cat has, she's the oldest of all, mm-hmm. all of our cats. And she's got more energy and she's, and I was telling him how she was like running and then rolling in the <laughs> thing or whatever. Oh my gosh, I love her so much. I actually have Joshua with me right now. He came in when I when I got back to the computer and he is asleep. You know, I think it's something about me talking, like consistently talking, because now that it's your episode, she's she, fine. She's just laying there chilling. She's like, mm-hmm, it's fine. Your maybe your voice like gets her super excited. Maybe when I can't mute it when she's going crazy. i love cats beginning in 1931 writing would appear and disappear on scraps of paper in the walls that were mostly addressed to marianne a lot of it was illegible but some were able to be read some of the messages said quote marion get help or marion light mass prayers or please for help and prayers They tried to communicate back with the spirit by writing, and they received a reply that just said rest. I think that Marianne might have the multiple personality disorder, and she is telling herself to get out. Get away from these people in this house. You may have a theory, because I'm about to say something in my next... She doesn't have multiple personalities, but you'll see. (laughs) Some stuff happens. You know, it's always when it targets a young woman that there's something real fishy going on. Mm -hmm. However, after it came out that Marion was having an affair with the Mm. family's lodger, sometimes he was referred to as a boarder. I have no idea what either are, but Uh, his name was Frank Perlis. It is. I, I watched an episode of doctor who today where uh matt smith the doctor went to someone's house and said he was their new lodger what is is it like a roommate oh okay yeah well he was their roommate then and his name was frank perlis and she was like yeah buddy (laughs) Uh uh-huh and her credibility was shot (laughs) not to mention that on top of that she claimed that she would use the paranormal phenomena, she would claim paranormal phenomena to conceal her affair. <laughs> so if things would go bump in the night, <laughs> she would say that it was a ghost and not oh. her and Frank getting it on. The bed was moving so much last night. Uh-huh. I wasn't anywhere near it. It must have been those ghosts. Yep. Literally. That's what she said. And she would later admit that she never experienced a single supernatural thing within the rectory. And that someone was just playing with disappearing ink. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she, 
I don't know, but she's not credible. Nice. The hauntings were said to have gotten so bad, though, that they tried to have the house exercised twice without success. Harry Price once again visited the house and recorded many more incidents of the hauntings, including two bottles of wine he had brought, where one turned into ink and the other turned into perfume, and this occurred while the bottles were still sealed. Oh, yeah, sure it did. <laughs> In October of 1935, the Foisters left Borley Rectory due to the Reverend's bad health. Church Wait. official. He didn't want to die in the blue room? Nope, he left. He was like, I'm out of here. My wife did some naughty things. and <laughs> I don't know if they were still together. I didn't really read too much into the the affair and what happened. Are they them. Catholic? I believe so. Then they can't get divorced. Okay. Well, then I don't know what happened to them. Actually, I have no idea. I think there is something in there about uh, adultery. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know anything about religion, so... I'm just trying to be cool. (laughs) You are so cool, though. (laughs) Church officials then made the decision that the house would no longer be used as a rectory. It stood vacant for about two years until Harry Price convinced them to let him rent it for a year. Price then realized that he was going to need help for this large investigation, so he posted an ad in the Times that stated... Haunted house. Responsible persons of leisure and intelligence, intrepid, critical, and unbiased, are invited to join a rota of observers in a year's night and day investigation of an alleged haunted house in the home counties. Printed instructions supplied. Scientific training or ability to operate simple instruments is an advantage. House situated in a lonely hamlet, so own car is essential. End quote. Mm. He has quite a way with words. He does. <laughs> After his ad, he hired 48 observers to come Jesus. to the rectory at various times and record anything they saw, heard, or felt. Trying to experiment with investigation techniques, Price brought in mediums and conducted several seances. After one seance... On March 27, 1938, with his best friends and fellow researchers, Sidney and Helen Glanville, they did the seance using a planchette and a writing instrument that was held by all three of them in a similar fashion to the Ouija board. Helen claimed to have made contact with two spirits. One was a Catholic nun named Marie. So while I was writing this out, I said her name one way. I don't know how it's said. So her last name is L-A-I-R-R-E. And it could be Lair. But because her name's Marie, I just kept saying Marie Larie. So <laughs> I enjoyed it. But it could be Marie Lair or Lare. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Go with Larie. I don't know. I like Marie Larie. <laughs> And through subsequent communication, he was able to find out that the nun had come from France to the nunnery at Burrs, where she met, fell in love with, and married Henry Waldengrave. The spirit said that their house used to stand where the rectory was now built. The spirit told them that one evening Henry flew into a fit of rage and strangled her and then buried her body in the cellar. 
The spirit woman told them that she was condemned to wander until her bones could receive a proper Christian burial. Price thought this spirit may be the Catholic nun that had tried to communicate with Marianne Foister. He still believes her. Okay. Well, I don't. Me neither. (laughs) Especially when she goes on to say that none of it was real. But I also don't know if she said that before or after uh, Harry Price died. So the second spirit said that its name was Sunnix Amures. And it claimed that the rectory would burn to the ground that very night and the bones of a murder victim would be found in the ashes. The house did not burn down that night. And yes. And after Henry's lease was up, he left the rectory. Not Henry. Harry. After Harry's lease was up, he left (laughs) the rectory. The house was then purchased by Captain William Hart Gregson in December of 1938. He also experienced paranormal activity in the rectory. He claimed that his dog ran away due to fright. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't just accidentally let it out the door or anything. Mm-hmm. The dog just didn't want to come back. It was scared of the paranormal activity. Definitely not the owner. Mm-mm. On February 27th, 1939, exactly 11 months to the day from the spirit's prediction that the house would burn down, Gregson was moving in and he knocked over an oil lamp and the house burned to the ground. (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) Although Gregson reported the incident as an accident, it was later found by the insurance company that Gregson had intentionally burned the rectory down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. After this, the house was left in ruins and never rebuilt. However... In 1943, Harry Price again returned to the rectory and excavated the cellar area. Two messages that Marianne had received on the wall had stuck with him. One read, the well tank bottomed me. Huh? The well tank bottomed me. Well tank bottomed me. So he went into the bottom of a well. Well, he thought that the message was, the well tank bothers me. So, yes. Okay. Price was positive that it was the body of the nun. So, he dug there. And he found two bones. And this is really interesting. Well, let me, let me... (laughs) tell you some things so it's said that they were examined by a pathologist and that they were certified by the pathologist to be ones of a young woman one in particular was thought to be a jawbone however in another article i saw that after some investigation the bones were found to be those of a pig and price refused to believe it And he had the bones interred at Liston Church by Reverend Alfred Clifford Henning. There's a quote from Henry, or keep calling him Henry. There's a price from Harry's. There's a price (laughs) from Harry's. There's a quote 
from Harry Price's book. Jesus. Man, his name. I know. That's titled The End of Borley Rectory. And he states, The Bones, part of a human John school, popularly thought to be the mortal remains of Marie Lurie, the ghost nun who haunts, and then in parentheses it says still haunts, question mark, the rectory site were placed in a wooden box and lowered into a small hole dug by the rector earlier in the day, end quote. He attended the interment of the bones at the church, and in every website that I read, there is no definitive proof of what they are one way or the other. Can't someone just go dig them up and check them? I know that's what I'm thinking, but Harry Price does say that he had them certified by mm. a pathologist, yeah. but then they never list who did the investigation to find that they were pig bones. Yeah. Did he ever list who the pathologist was? I don't know because I think it's in some documents and I didn't read, you know, the his books or any other book on it. <laughs> And there are a lot of books on it. We'll get into it. (laughs) Well, I guess I could just tell you now and just skip that part. But Harry Price himself wrote two books about the Borley Rectory. And he was in the process of writing a third book on the Borley Rectory when he passed away. So there are many writings about... He was dedicated. Yeah, he was obsessed There is a theory that somehow Gregson and Price were in cahoots. It has never been able to be proven, but the theory is that Gregson intentionally set the house on fire so that Price could excavate the grounds, searching for the bones. But like I said, there isn't any proof of that. There's not even proof that they knew each other. But ever since Marianne got that message about, Mm -hmm. you know, being unhappy in the cellar or whatever he's been wanting to excavate it so it just kind of happened to be like the perfect thing to happen so that he could do that and they did get that message about the house burning down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's no proof but possible there were also two photos taken while the ruins were being demolished One showed a brick floating in midair, and the other showed a shadowy figure walking amongst the tombstones. The brick could easily be debunked. (laughs) It could have just been falling during the photograph. (laughs) Yeah. However, the picture of the ghostly person walking in the cemetery definitely gave me the creeps. Cool. It is weird. In 1944, the rectory was demolished, and after the demolition of the ruins, the spectral activity was said to have decreased, and one activity there was seemed to mostly be centered in the church and its graveyard. This is not really a relevant fact to the story whatsoever, but I thought it was interesting. The bricks from the rectory were reused for the war effort. I'm not sure for what, but I just thought that was neat. Nice. Reduce, reuse, recycle. (laughs) Agreed. The church has also been investigated and continues to be investigated to this day. Many have reported hearing organ music as well as footsteps and the opening and closing of doors. 
The nun has also been sighted many times in the graveyard. Well, maybe the nun is this Marie Larie person now That's instead what... of the book person. Yeah. Well, I think that maybe the one that ran away with the monk, we know that one's made up. But Marie Larie, she is a nun also. So we don't know. So now we have a new person to put on the nun face. Yep. So this is the part where I was going to talk about all the books that Harry Price wrote on it. But instead, I'm just going to say in one of his books, he dubbed the Borley Rectory the most haunted house in England. Wow. After Harry Price passed away, a Daily Mail reporter named Charles Sutton accused Price of faking the paranormal activity. Sutton said that when he visited the rectory with Price in 1929, he was hit in the head by a stone. After he was hit in the head, he grabbed Harry Price and found that his coat pockets were filled with different sized rocks. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to do that. Just right. throw them over your shoulder real, real sneakily. The Society for Cyclical Research that Harry Price was a part of did their own research as well after his death and concluded that Price had faked some of the paranormal activity. They released a book of their findings in 1956 titled The Haunting of Borley Rectory. The study itself was known as The Borley Report and said that some of the activity was due to natural causes such as rats and the acoustics due to the odd shape of the house. There have been two movies about the Borley Rectory. One is a partially animated movie titled Borley Rectory, The Most ha Haunted House in England. And then one was made in 2022 titled The Ghosts of Borley Rectory. So I rented The Ghosts of Borley Rectory, the 2022 one, and I could not get through more than 20 minutes of it. So <laughs> I wasted $5, but oh well. Jesus. However, so since I could not get through that one, I looked for the one made in 2017 and I found that it was free on Tubi mm -hmm. and instantly I was in it. And I'm not kidding you. I 100% recommend that you watch it. I'm wow. not kidding. It is so different <laughs> from any documentary you will ever watch, I'm sure. But it is an actual documentary. It's dark. Like, visually dark. Um, it's more like a movie than a documentary. It. How do I explain this? So it has a narrator who tells you all the facts about the Borley Rectory. But in between that, there are reenactments that are so stylized an old-timey feeling, <laughs> but also actually scary. Cool. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm begging <laughs> you. Please watch it. Get Tubi. It's free. It's on there. It is amazing. And I very, very, very highly recommend it. And then the last thing I want to say is I got a haunted rating from hauntedplaces.org, which I have Woo! not been able to have one of those in a while. Eighty-two percent of people believe that it's haunted, leaving eighteen percent to believe that it's not. So 
So this is where I think that not many people voted on the House of Seven Gables because they can't mm-hmm. have a 92% rating if the most haunted place in England has an 82. Well, I also wonder because the Borley Rectory is not standing anymore. Well, the grounds are still there, though. The ground is there and the church nearby is there. So, I mean, maybe they're investigating the church, but it is. I did find a couple articles that said even though the Borley Rectory burned down and it's not there, that the grounds still have reports of paranormal activity. I can see it. What do you think about it being on the weird shit-o-meter? I don't know. This one's got a lot going on. It's got nuns that are fake and then aren't fake and then (laughs) maybe some bones that are pigs or humans. There's also the skull. That was in every article (laughs) and nothing more about it than she found it. I did see one source that said she they buried it outside Mm. outside in like the yard because they didn't know what else to do with it. Yeah. And how did she know it was a young woman's skull? Exactly. Because then if she took it and she buried it in the yard, how do you know? And did they ever dig it up? Yeah. Did she get it tested? I mean, I'm, it takes a lot of schooling to be able to tell these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got the, you know, adultery. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which cracks me up. Um, I'd give it probably a 7. A 7. 7.5. Save Wayne. Save Wayne. Oh my god, I cannot talk. Same wavelength. Is what I meant to say. (laughs) Same wavelength as me. That's what I was thinking about a seven. Yeah. It's got a lot going on. It does. It has a and it has years of paranormal activity reported, like literally over a hundred years of paranormal activity has been reported. It's got way more than House of Seven Gables. Yes. Yeah, it does. It, and there is pictures and stuff that they did and Harry Price did his investigation, but you don't know how much you can believe of Harry Price. But So let us know what you think about it. Have you ever been near it? That'd be really cool if you have. I would really like to know. Do you think Harry Price was a groundbreaking investigator? Or do you think he was just really good at hoaxing people? I mean, he was really good at (laughs) hoaxing people. But do you think he was just full of bullshit? Or did Mm -hmm. he ever do anything legitimate? We want to know that too. And also you can send us your own personal stories. That'd be great. You can send them to us at thisislegendpod at gmail.com. We also have our website, thisislegendpod.com. And don't forget to follow us and all that good stuff over on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. The sticker giveaway will only be on Instagram this time. Facebook is just boring. Yeah. We don't really do the Facebook as much. No, we don't do anything on there, really. And TikTok, I still can't get signed into. 
Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Bye.